Okay, here we are in Nebraska Park 2. It's This is really loud. You are really loud? Uh, and also if you could just turn you down so I can't hear you at all. I can hear that. I hope it doesn't smell like that other Okay, how's that? Are you guys oh, it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> are you... Are you guys uh, done with whatever it is you you got going on? My pants are on fire. Oh my gosh! You need to move. Just move back. I'm trying. Just pick the chair up and move back. Yeah, just a little bit. I think Tanner's gonna need some mouth to mouth. <laughs> okay, use a dental stem because that would be gross if it. All right, we are getting like going. Smells. This is the cap. Welcome to Saturday Borders. That's it. Everybody is a little bit windblown and getting a little on the goofy side. <sighs> so we're going to try and muddle through this because we've got some exciting stuff. Okay, here we go. Let's give it some silence. Welcome to the Inspired Wild podcast. I'm Trevin Stoltzfus, and you are listening to Nebraska Mule Deer 2019 Part 2. I'm here with Tanner Vernon. What's up? And C.J. Davis. Howdy. With Montana Decoy. We have had some exciting times, and I think the first podcast we left off with day two. Mm-hmm. That's and correct. And we're picking up with day three. And day three, it's kind of, it's all kind of running together now, isn't it? It is, just yeah. I, it takes me, a, I have to pause to think through it all. Just just to make sure that you're you're remembering what day goes with what. What was it like when we woke up on the third day? Wasn't that the day when we went to bed? It was like really cold, and when we woke up, it had warmed up like 22 degrees or something? Or am I getting my days mixed up again? No, I think you're right. That was strange. Because today was day four, right? Yes. Yeah, you're exactly right. We went to bed thinking it was going to be freezing because the night before we'd gone to bed and it was chilly. Mm -hmm. And we woke up and there was quite a bit of ice, like even on the seat of the Ranger. Um, The Ranger without a windshield. Right. Well, the windshield in that Ranger causes what we like to refer to as a dust eddy. Yeah, it's terrible. And so we take it out when we're on dusty roads because it, you know, we're all the camera equipment is so hard on it with all the dust. So, but you're right. It so is now chilly. it's just a wind eddy. <laughs> so yeah. Now, now it's just a chilly eddy. Uh, but we got up on the glassing point, the same one. From day two. From day two, we stayed up on that uh, east side. East you're, side. You're right, east yeah. side. And we're glassing towards Glass the west. And we didn't see much. It was. I would say almost 8.30 when you and I saw those two bucks come drop down out of the, the corn mm-hmm. way on that south end. Um, and we didn't see them for very long. They were there and gone. Right. But we knew they the the kind of the group of draws they, would, they should be in. And uh, – so we tried to move as quickly. I remember we tried to move as quickly as possible to get eyes back on them. And we got to where we thought we should be able to see them, and we couldn't find them. Yeah, and then didn't uh, Kyle said he saw, because the does, <clears throat> they were in kind of a little, small little draw, and the does uh, 
the does went over one side and the bucks kind of went down that draw a different direction. But then Kyle said that he saw a big body deer running back towards the does from where the bucks went. So we weren't weren't real sure where where both of the bucks ended up. And now let me just say this about Kyle. He's the only one that didn't have binoculars. So he's seeing deer from far off, but he's seeing them with his naked eye. So he can't, he's not looking at him going, okay, that's a buck, that's a doe. He's just seeing a big body deer or what he thinks is a big body deer run up. So he was under the impression that that, that that buck had run back up. Correct. Which for, for us, we're like, ah, Dead gummit, you know that uh, you think everything's um, gonna go to heck in a handbasket. But I really think CJ, you and I have um, learned a lot about thinking smarter, working smarter, not harder. Right. Uh, delegating. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Those are all key components in any successful endeavor. Right. And and you want to explain what particular we learned on this hunt well i think sometimes you find a unique individual that just has a gift and they may be terrible everything else in life but they have this just amazing gift yeah or knack or knack yeah. and you're really you're not doing them any favors if you make them shelter that gift right. so you know as a good manager you want to build your people up move them forward all these kind of things so that's that's really why we you know purposely set back and let Tanner, a.k.a. Snoops, kind of basically find the deer for us. <laughs> I think I think it goes without saying he has younger eyes. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I think what we ended up doing, Tanner's a cameraman, so, you know, he's behind the camera. He's getting these different shots, the interaction, uh, the story, capturing the story. But there's a point where um, if you're, dragging two three four guys around the hills trying especially in this broken country sometimes it's better if somebody just can peripherally circle the area and find the deer and 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 tanner how do you feel about that mm, yeah i mean <laughs> these <laughs> the deer <laughs> the deer like in these draws they really tuck in a lot of times and it's hard to pick them apart so when you got four guys you know especially lazy guys that like to drag their feet oh. and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> when you got four guys trucking through there it's really easy for the deer to see you first um and that's not conducive to killing them so in all fairness trev and i give it at least a good 15 even 30 minutes of glassing sometimes before we you <laughs> give know, up give up and turn you <laughs> loose <laughs> no but it it worked out pretty good i mean because you kind of you kind of get a feel like on a windy day they're going to be like especially today how it was so windy they're going to be tucked up um you know out of the wind so you can kind of get a feel for um where they're going to be probably you got to always you can't be so narrow-minded there might be one laying out in the middle of the wind you never know but and then on you know really hot sunny days they're going to be in the shade and on you know a certain like the north <coughs> face of a cut or whatever so it's a lot easier for one person to kind of go around and check that stuff so that's what i was doing yeah and and uh it, it, the day before the the buck that i had tried to 
kind of make the one out sort yeah, of in the kind bottom of it was in middle. the bottom i mean he wasn't tucked up under next to anything yet the buck that you had tried was tucked right up actually facing the the bluff yeah, he could have been less tucked it would have been yeah, a whole lot that better. would have been that would have been much gooder but uh, i will say this that it was quite a relief when you and I, I think, it were in some in-depth, uh, extremely educational and probably <laughs> intelligent conversation. Uh, and we looked up, and here comes Tanner. And Tanner says, good buck, bedded, by himself. And then you also had found the other buck that was with him, but he was in the next draw over, or was he two draws over? Mm, right? anyway, yeah, he was the next main draw. They had, And like you know, Kyle had thought, the one buck did go back to the does, the smaller buck. And then the better buck was kind of down in the bottom, off by himself, and a little, just in a little kind of a little hole in there. And what was the, the wind? The wind speed we were we were it's probably fifteen to twenty, wasn't it? Yeah, you say? it was blowing fairly decent. And there were some some good gusts, but it was consistent. Where the day before we'd had some good wind, but it like when I was stalking my buck, I yeah, stopped three off. or four times where it just died, yeah. and I couldn't move. So we had a little bit more wind. Um, in order for us to, to hide our movements, make sure that they're not going to smell us, all that stuff. So that was a, exciting. And I think you even, we, you're, you kind of said, well, here, come here. We went just 60 yards from where we were sitting, and you yeah. said, look, right down there. And mm-hmm. I had actually kind of started to creep over and look down, and then that's when we made that judicial, <laughs> judicial. Dis- that judicial decision that we were like, Tanner, see if you can find that buck so we're not all, you know, traipsing around. And um, that buck's position, I recall thinking, man, that looks great. But the one thing that I don't have a skill set for yet is, you know, you think they're – I'm going to say parallel with something like that cedar tree, and you're just absolutely convinced the if depth, I get behind that cedar depth, tree, yeah. yeah, your depth perception when you're glassing and it's that far away, and you know you can compare what you think that deer size is to everything else, but it's still once you get within that zone of you know, all right, I should be getting close to where I can see him. You really have to not get tunnel vision. You know, and this set up really nicely because we did have. Again, a sustainable crosswind, and the buck was bedded. So he was he was bedded in a draw, down toward the front. And if you can imagine the left side of the draw going up, there was two cedar trees, and we were pretty convinced he was level with the lower one. And he's, we thought, going to be about 25 yards from that tree. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of the draw, of course, went up. And the cut went quite a bit further back. So he's out toward the mouth. So the plan was for Tanner and I, uh, we were going to set up Kyle across the draw, across the main draw, because he was in a a little finger, uh, a smaller draw. And Tanner and I were going to go to the next draw. That would be to the south, or if you're looking at it, to the left. And come up kind of midpoint and come around, get in line with that cedar, use that cedar for cover. That was the plan. And then I was floating on the other side of the main draw in case you needed him to stand up. It, you had to deploy the decoy. a decoy. Yeah. Boom! I could just look at you and give the old nod, and you could pop. You know, you already kind of 
ready, mm-hmm. had it ready to to just really just kind of lollygag down the main draw to get him to go what and stand up, focusing all his attention on you. So, I think that was a pretty good plan. I think we all felt pretty good about this. Yeah, I felt very <coughs> solid about it. Yeah, I thought he he was in a really super stockable position and it helped out a lot too that you were able to get a practice stock in on that deer. <laughs> I wondered if you were going to bring that up or let that slide. I was not letting that slide. <laughs> Sometimes when you're out in this country it is good to to work some makeshift stocks in um uh you know it you testing the wind you're testing your agility mm. um all of these <laughs> all of these it's things. certainly not the one cedar tree <laughs> looks hey, a lot like another I, i'm telling you what you you look at something and then you drop in and you disappear and you come around and you're like is it that draw or is it that draw the difference is there's not much difference except that they're different right. draws because yeah. they have cedars in them although the understand it's not full of cedars but there's a lone cedar here yeah and you look over there there's another cedar there and you're like is that the cedar because now you're looking at it from a totally different perspective and you don't want to make the mistake of oh it must be the next one right and you walk in you're like oh son again i just blew a great opportunity so i i'm i kind of scratch my head i say i think it's this draw and um so we start we start heading over there and and Kyle well we got the radio on and uh, I think I even I don't know if I asked Kyle or whatever but he's like no he's one draw over <laughs> I'm like hey anytime you want to tell me that <laughs> you know jump right in there that was I'm what not made it lie. so I funny I wouldn't have told you either <laughs> I'd have just filmed you and I would have probably uh, done some you know color commentary on it also. <laughs> Like, oh, Crocky, here we have a wall, Trevin. <laughs> Making his stock on the wrong tray here. <laughs> There's obviously nothing below it. <laughs> We're just going to see how this pans out. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's a wonder we kill anything. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, we, we use sometimes use radios. I'll take a quick moment. And, and you know, when we use radios, as long as it's legal, um, in Nebraska, the law is that you can use radios, you can text to each other, you can use electronic communication as long as you're not in a vehicle, which is interesting. So you can't be in a, a pickup texting somebody where a deer are or, or radioing. You couldn't be in an aircraft. You couldn't be in a boat. So it works really well, though, when you're, like, going up the wrong draw <laughs> and your oversight, which was Kyle at the time, your oversight master was supposed to go, uh, uh, uh you've got uh, one draw over, Trevor, over, you know. This is about traffic control. Uh, you are in the wrong draw. <laughs> so, so once we got that worked out, I felt like I, I had a good sense of what I needed to do. And how we were going to make that stock work. And then, but we still weren't exactly sure how far up the draw was as far as, I mean, if I lined up with the cedar tree, lining up with the cedar tree is great. If you come over the right, you know, the right elevation of the hill mm-hmm. and you're lined up. And so I wanted to come a little bit lower 
But then I felt like that wasn't right. And I think you and I had a conversation, Tanner, and let's go up here. So we got lined up, and, and we're going, and we're going, and I'm thinking, he should be right here. I couldn't see him. I could. I mean, I'm looking for tines. I'm, I'm kind of crawling up, and I got my binoculars, and you know, I'm. Of course, I got an arrow knocked. I'm ready because I, I'm, I'm, you know, 40 yards. I'm, I'm, I'm 30 yards. I'm, and I'm ranging as I always do. I'm ranging just everything, things across the draw, things close to me. You know, all these different things, just trying to, to get a feel for for distances. And Tanner, how far were you behind me as we started getting closer? You were about 10 yards? Yeah, 10, 10 to 15 probably. Because the plan was, of course, Kyle's wide angle on it. Yep. And you, well, basically, you're over the shoulder getting the perspective from, you know, like my perspective, so to speak. Right. Um. And I can't find the buck. I have no idea where he's at. He should be right there. So I start creeping to the left. Now I'm probably 10 yards from the cedar. And you're thinking, did I bump him? And I'm thinking, is he? But Kyle hasn't said a word. Yeah. And Kyle can see him. Of course, Kyle didn't say anything about you stalking the wrong cedar tree either. That's true. That's true. But as I move around, as I move around, as I move around, I'm looking in front of the cedar. And... Because he was bedded in the bottom of the draw. He wasn't up against, tucked up against the, the bank that I am up on. Right. Right. So I, I, I'm like, I should be able to see him. Well, there was more of a drop off there. Um, and I kind of lean on my left leg as I peek around the left side of the cedar. And he must have caught something. Because out of the corner of my eye, I see antlers move. And then immediately, I step back and I draw and he stands up but he doesn't just stand up and look of course he stands up and he's moving and Tanner you what well, you were taking a step at that time yeah I had the tripod with one one leg fully extended and so I'd place that I'd place it on the ground quietly and then find a spot and pick my step and step there as quiet as I could, you know, using the wind gusts and stuff. And, uh, of course, I have earphones monitoring your audio, and I have them on one ear. And I was, I had, I had put the tripod down, and I was taking a step, and I was placing my foot, and I heard your, your, uh, clothes, your jacket rustle or whatever in the mic. And I was like, um, that kind of sounded like he's drawing. <laughs> and I look up, and you're at full draw. So I hit record, grab my focus on you, and I had no idea where the buck was. But then <clears throat> out of the corner of my eye, I could see him off to the off to my right across the draw. He'd got up. Okay, and but let's, I must talk, stop you there. Explain what you're running. Just, just for the camera geeks out there like us who uh, love to – find out you know hey we get questions all the time what are you running you were running uh the 7200 right? yeah 7200 um not no follow focus or anything just doing it all on the lens and uh on a tripod with a was that the uh r7 no it was a a7 sony a7 uh, i mean yeah yeah a7 three okay yeah. it wasn't the r3 it wasn't the r3 so 
jump back to, to my perspective. He jumps up. I come to full draw. What am I hoping? I'm hoping that he does the mule deer look back at about 25 yards, kind of like, <laughs> kind of like what yeah. you encounter, yeah. right? With a better result for you, right? Though. And um, you know, pretty much top pin, mm-hmm. right? He took three or four jumps, and he's already on the other side of the draw. Um, I mean, he's not Mach 90, but he's going, and he checks up and turns quarter and away. He was pretty hard at first, wasn't it? Quarter at first, away. he stopped. He was butt on. And yeah. I'm like, I can't take that shot. And at the time, numbers are just going through my mind. And um, luckily, I had checked my yardage on a couple of things on that other side. And um, and I knew this one bush was 45. I looked at it. He looked 10 yards further. I'd settled on 55 yards. Never doubted myself. That's, I think, one thing if you start waffling back and forth. Yeah, it never You, never you have well. to pick. And, and, and that's why I do those yardage. I always check in yardages as I'm doing a stock because well, it gives you, gives you a good feel. Mm-hmm. And then I'm at full draw, and all I'm waiting, and he turns a little quarter and two. I'm saying a little. I mean, he was quartering away to where I was going, okay, I can take this shot now. Put it right, uh, my and I ideally I wanted to put it right off of the hip, mm-hmm. and I ended up hitting him a little bit further back than what I, what I would ideally would have liked, um, but I the shot went off. And you said, did you did you see me come to draw, or did you just hear the shot? I saw you come to draw, and you you know when you're the guy that's supposed to to flank or shadow and your role is to be there when needed you're stressed out because you don't want to go too far and bump the buck but at the same time you just have this almost overwhelming desire to see what's going on so as you guys were going up i'm going up the other side trying to keep elevation with you so i can at least see your you know your head and your shoulders and i could see like when you drew i saw your bow and obviously saw the movement and then i saw the deer hop off and, you know, I'm, I'm probably having the same thoughts you are. Please stop, please stop, please stop. And he does. And when you took the shot, it felt like it was a little back. But as he took off up, and right before he went over that next uh, ridge, I could see blood coming out of it. And, you know, if you're seeing it that – if I'm seeing it from that far away, that's yeah, a great sign. Yeah, how far? Sign. You were 150? Maybe, yeah, something yeah. like that. Well, for me – I don't know if I'm the only one that does this, but for me – when I shoot, the first thing that happens is doubt. I always doubt myself. Did did I make a good shot? I, you know, there's times I shoot and you're like, oh, man, I, I pinwheeled him. Mm-hmm. But these guys that, that every time they shoot, oh, I got that joker. Or they, you know, so I smoked that joker. I mean, you hear that all the time on yeah. outdoor television. It's, it drives me batty because I shoot a lot in practice, and I shoot pretty decent. Um, but there's not a lot of times I feel that even when I've made a good shot and then the animal goes down in front of me, then I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that was a good shot. Still a little bit of relief because until you know, you don't know. Right. I've just seen so many things over the years where you think it's a good shot and it wasn't a good shot. So, so for me, I'm going to pause real quick and just explain my setup. 
Uh, I'm shooting the Hoyt RX3. But this year I changed up some stuff. I, I'm shooting Victory uh, Archery Arrows. And I'm shooting uh, the TKO. The VAP TKO. But I went with a little stiffer spine, a 340. Um, it's a little heavier. Mm -hmm. But I also went with a 70 grain outsert with the 100 grain wasp broadheads. And on uh, the jackknife, you're shooting the two blade. I, this hunt, I sh I had three jackknives in my quiver and two Havilon HVs. Mm -hmm. So I, I that's how I hunt. Like when I'm elk hunting, I usually carry three Havilon HVs. And I carry one, or t I mean two of the jackknives. Mm -hmm. I like those. I like that combination. And so, um, and you're fortunate that they're both dialed in for you. Right. So oh yeah. Gives you some flexibility. Yeah. yeah I'm. I, I'm. Uh, I have them accurate enough. The HVs I would shoot 60 yards. Okay. Mm -hmm. The jackknives, anything over 60. Uh, I feel comfortable out to about, uh, not that I'd shoot an animal this far, but I, f I, I was shooting pretty consistently out to 85, um, 90 yards. So um, I feel like the drag, and we had this discussion, we're getting uh, down a rabbit trail here. <laughs> I, we had this discussion about the drag of a fixed blade that uh, there's a, people talk to uh, uh, wasp all the time. Um, and just about, hey, I've got this and this and this, but my broadheads don't hit the same place as my field points. And the fact of the matter is they shouldn't. The aerodynamically, they're not the same. So they shouldn't. So there's going to be some fl fluctuations, and it's going to mainly manifest itself like a difference in weight. So it's going to be lower. And I think that applies to... Uh, any broadhead because like you made the analogy the other day of you know you screw a field point on you also have to worry about you know when you screw a broadhead on how is the insert what's the insert fit what's the insert relation to the broadhead the shoulders of the broadhead who cut the arrow is it cut square you know there's all these little micro variables that come into play and you know you and I also talk about how many people don't spin their arrows right. you know to see if that broadhead has any wobble and it's just a lot of things that you got to expect to work out that if you're not taking the time to, you know, go through your broadheads on several different eras to find the best spinning combinations, you're not really doing yourself a favor. Right, exactly. So in a situation where I have a split second, a 55-yard shot, um, there's a plethora of people say that's not a, that's not a good shot. Well, um, I beg to differ. I've put the time in. Mm -hmm. I've practiced. I mean, I, I feel very confident um, with that setup. So that's why I want to share that setup. But also, I did, with the, the 70 green outserts, I get a little bit more weight, a little more FOC. Um, and I'm, I'm compared to what I've shot, my, air, my whole arrow uh, combo weighs about 430. And that might seem a little bit light, but I've uh, uh, got T-Rex arms. So I got a real short draw length, um, and uh, and I'm shooting 70 pounds, and my kinetic energy is plenty. Um, some guys like to be above 500, and you know that's a magic number, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
But I have seen an incredible amount of punch, I guess, uh, um, momentum increase since I went a little bit heavier than I used to go. Do you feel that you're more accurate by adding that, yes. increasing that front of center? Yes. I felt like my 80-yard uh, my groups tightened significantly. So that's my setup. That's I know we went down a rabbit trail, but I want people to understand what I am. What am I shooting here? Mm -hmm. And so um, upon the shot, I think I turn to you, Tanner, and I think as I'm I'm coming around to get eyes on him, better eyes on him from around the the cedar bush. Um, I think I said, I think I hit him back, and I could see as he was going up the hill. The height was perfect, but it did seem like it was a little, maybe a little bit too close to the hip than what I wanted. Um, and whether that's him turning at the shot and making it more of a quartering away angle than you know, or if it, if I was just you know two three inches over to the right of where I wanted to be. Um, the first thing I did is uh, run up the hill. I'm not chasing the deer. I'm just trying to run up the hill and get eyes on the deer. Talk about what that arrow did when you hit him, though. I think that's a interesting point, how it went in. Oh. But then when you. Yeah, because it looked when he went over the hill. I'm like, mm, that does not look good because it's it was hanging out of him so far. Yeah, it looked like I only had four or five inches of penetration. Right. Um, but as some things happen, the arrow goes in. I've seen this happen a lot on a mm -hmm. quarter and away shot with a shoulder. It goes through, goes through all the goodies, mm -hmm. but then it pop and it hits that offside shoulder, it pops back, and almost like it, boom! As soon as they jump, it pops out, and now all of a sudden you look like, well, I didn't hit the shoulder, and I only got five inches of penetration. Well, no, you didn't. You got a good, uh, a deeper penetration. It's just got pulled back out. It's, I mean, you're you're in that animal's body, and you know how those deer when they're hit they're contorting there's all kind of muscles moving and bones and everything so it could bounce off the shoulder it could just come back out and you know a, a mechanical is you know there's not really anything it hooks onto it can the blades can fold back over on them and, and work their way back out but yeah. luckily yeah yeah exactly um but you did go up that hill almost as fast as the deer did. I was kind of impressed. <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, it's amazing what a shot of adrenaline will do for yeah. you. And, and uh, so I made it up the hill. And the first thing I did when I crested up the hill, of course, was I slowed down. And I got my optics up. And I'm just kind of scanning, taking a step, scanning, taking a step, scanning. And sure enough... I see antlers, He's and now he's on the other side of, of course, I ran over a ridge, there's another draw, and he was on the other side. And he had all four legs spread out, and there was a paper plate size pile of blood, and he was not, not looking good. A little wobbly. A little wobbly, and it wasn't, what, Tanner would say, a minute, two minutes, and he laid down? Mm-hmm. And he laid down, and then he put his head down probably within 15, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. I, 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 I could have hustled over there and shot uh, another arrow. But, man, that's, extra, that's risky sometimes. It is because a buck that gets that extra shot of adrenaline, 
sometimes that's enough to, and you know, the funny thing is, especially if they bed or they lay down, sometimes that'll clot up. Now you lose any blood trail you might have mm-hmm. had, um, and that buck just hightails it with that last bit of energy and then dies. But you can't find him. Or he crosses a property line. You or can't he get crosses, across. Yeah, yeah. And luckily, we were pretty pretty good as far yeah. as our property boundaries where we were actually hunting. But you um, had a really good situation to be patient. There was no yeah. reason to push your luck, and I think you did absolutely the right thing. You took a break and went back and got your pack and stuff, which is something you're going to have to do. But doing it then is always like buying yourself a little time, calming yourself down, doing whatever, running it through in your head. And, of course, we left Snoop up there to watch deer. So right. <laughs> I think I just told you. I don't know, but I, I think I just said, okay, you stay on this deer. I'm going to get my stuff. <laughs> yeah, and to me, the deer, my reaction was liver shot. and uh, Which is three or four hours you leave him with well, liver. I mean, I've had him, like, I've had him die, you know, a lot quicker than that with a liver, but he does – it does take some time and the thing like you said is is you don't want you don't want to get down there and bump him because then he can go for a long ways so as much as you don't want him to suffer he's probably suffering less than if you walk down there and bumped him and pushed him into the next county i just feel like the more of that adrenaline you dump into them the farther they can go and also you're not doing your meat any favors either with that so yeah, I just think you made the best decision. You you had eyes on him. It was in a place that, that – That's the key. Yeah, there's yeah. no reason to push it. We had eyes on him. If we if we just sat there for two hours and he still wasn't dead, then you need to reevaluate or right. less time than that even. But that situation, you, you did exactly the right thing of just waiting and then pays off. Yeah. So that was pretty good. And he was, he was a nice, mature, you know, probably five-year-old. Uh, Roman nose, gray face, gray face, beautiful uh, deer. I think uh, uh, he had four on one side. Well, not counting the brow tines, four on one side, and he was three on the other. Um, wide, pretty wide. Did he it, end up being be. a little bigger than you thought he was when we were glassing? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Super I didn't think he was dude. that big. I thought he was good. Mm-hmm. You know, plenty good, but. You know, we're sitting here talking about this, and, and it sounds like you ran up the ridge, you went back down, you watched the deer. It really wasn't that long until we concluded he had expired right there. Right. It really was not that long. But that adrenaline that's in you and just gets you all excited and just, you know, I was excited just being a part of it. So. Right. Yeah, for sure. That was fun. That was fun. And then, and then of course, you know, it's, we take some pictures, and, and, uh, um, but we weren't done. We weren't quite done, were we? <laughs> no. Because if you remember at the start of this story, there was two bucks. And we had the one buck that we knew where he was at. And, 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 and did we ever talk about why I went after that deer instead of you? I thought you just pulled rank. No. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I, I, I was fine with you going Trev's, after that deer. Trev suggested a duel. <laughs> <laughs> and you declined. <laughs> He had me a little outgunned on a compound. The reason we did was we weren't sure if he was within that wheelhouse. If if you'd have got up to that cedar and played it like it should have. Yeah, and he'd have been 30. 
and it had been 30, you wouldn't have felt good about the. Yeah, you kind of would have said, okay, I got to bow out. Yeah. And, and yet the, the the competition hadn't even started yet. Yeah, exactly. So with me, I have a little bit more range. So that's, I think, why you said you should go after this deer. I do believe you told me that. I did. But there was, you know, snoops being snoops. We had other targets identified. The only factor was, you know, for you to not let your deer go in the direction. Did we ever explain that Snoops is Tanner's nickname? We did on the other podcast. Okay, but all right. For those, he's you, always snooping okay. on deer. Right, right. So Snoops. <laughs> um, yeah. God, I hope that doesn't stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna stick. Um, but we, I think we kind of congratulated whatever, and then. It was back to business. Oh, yeah. And then you guys, you guys take it from there because I stayed with the deer. So it was one draw over was where we thought the other bucks still were. And your your buck didn't, um, he didn't endanger that. But, uh, and Tanner, you correct me where I'm wrong, but we kind of went up top trying to get an angle in the wind. And um, we never really laid eyes on them. We, we went kind of in a horseshoe around them and when we got up there the deer were boiling over the top because they had uh winded us and that wind is is you know all these little cuts and stuff is it's amazing how it can swirl through sometimes when you think it shouldn't but it does because Um, the predominant wind which i was using for for my advantage mm -hmm. was the same for you Mm -hmm. but because of their position in the draw Mm -hmm. it was creating that little bit of a swirl turbulence or swirl mm-hmm. or something gets you but ironically enough the way they departed they kind of made a loop and went back by you almost while you were I, sitting I with your deer i videoed them with my iphone run <laughs> you know they were 60 yards away mm-hmm. but run by me mm-hmm. they're in my wheelhouse <laughs> <laughs> no because he never even he never even paused but, yeah. And so then after that, we just kind of concentrated on on uh, your deer, getting some better photos mm-hmm. and stuff like that, too. And loading him up, Load, bringing him out. Yeah, yeah. That, that was an adventure in and of itself, getting getting in to get him out. Um, this The way this country lays, I mean, you look at it, it's just a pasture. And you see four-wheeler tracks all over because the farmers or the ranchers are going fixing fence or mending stock tanks or whatever. But it's also sandy country, so um, you get a cow trail that gets started, that gets turned into an arroyo, and, <laughs> and, and then you end up with this in the bottom where you drive along this nice bottom of this draw, and it's just completely washed out. And suddenly you're high-centered. <laughs> suddenly you're high-centered. It was good that you guys were all there to push me out when we did get high-centered that one time. Yeah, and it took you forever to get back there with the stupid thing. Well, yeah, because I took like three different. I knew I knew the path. I had it on Onyx. I mean, you could see where I could go, yeah. bottom of the draw, but I couldn't get the Ranger there. So we had to kind of take a few detours and and uh, Colton. When I got back, um, when I came back, Colt was here, um, and we came back to get I think the drone mm-hmm. to 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 since I had killed and. Um, you weren't going to be hunting. Um, we took the drone and flew a little bit. And, uh, well, when I got, when we came back to camp to grab it, 
Colt pulled up. And so Colt and his son Canyon, who hunt turkeys with us, of course, mm-hmm. Colt's with Go Light. Shout out to Go Light. Um, they uh, they jumped in with the, with me, and, and, and we went back, and they got to help help recover the deer. So that's always fun. Colt's just a genuinely nice guy. This is the first time I've ever got to meet him, and he was just just a pleasure to be around. You know, he was as excited for you. Oh, yeah. As, and that's what you like to see in somebody. Yeah, and it's it's funny because what i met colt um years and years ago when i uh we did a little presentation for their bow hunting association and uh we spoke showed a few videos talked about some of the adventures and stuff like that and colt was a wrestler so him and i Mm. immediately began wrestling no (laughs) (laughs) i would not that's he's a little bit stouter and out of my weight class um uh, probably in better shape than I am. Um, he, uh, we hit it off right away, and, and uh, Canyon was pretty young at that time. But uh, you know, over the years, we got to know each other, and and, and he's Canyon's been part of our kids' turkey hunt. Um, I got to we got to film him. Uh, Tanner actually filmed him shoot his first. Well, Tanner was in the blind with a camera <laughs> when he shot his first turkey. For some reason, it didn't get filmed. Yeah, that was whatever yeah yeah <laughs> it was a long time ago but will never be forgotten it was it was it was the camera right sure um so so yeah you got you guys got to meet meet that you know hang out with them a little bit and meet canyon and stuff so that was cool that was cool that was a good day it was that a was good a lot day. of fun and then last night um the we came home, we had some tenderloins, you know, we ate, everything was great. And um, we were going to, we actually got into bed early. And then the wind, we knew it was going to be windy today. But there's no way to describe the wind today. <sighs> oh, I, I'm, I have hunted here, I think this is our fifth year, and I've, I've seen windy days. Dave Bronio killed a deer. Um, a couple years ago, and it was pretty windy, and I was like, "Wow!" But it was nothing like today. It was just amazing. It had to be thirty mile, thirty-five mile per hour winds. I mean, I was watching Tanner walk out, and he could actually lean into the wind <laughs> without falling over and walk. Yeah, and this morning it was interesting because we decided to go to the north end of the property and glass into some draws that we hadn't really spent much time, but we knew there was deer because we'd seen deer go into those mm-hmm. draws in other mornings, you know. And um, we'd gotten set up, and the wind was blowing, but we didn't know what we were in for yet. Um, and it, we didn't see, we, we really didn't see much movement. And then I happened... Out of the corner of my eye, I saw movement and got my glass up. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> you say allegedly, yeah, that was the buck that we we found. Uh, I saw a buck run into a series of draws, and uh, we thought it was just one deer, which just like it is, <coughs> bless you, just like it is in a lot of times here, there's, there's, more, always there's more. more deer. Yeah. So we... Did the old, I think, again, the wise thing, and we uh, 
sitting on snoops <laughs> to get a get a bead on them. And we also saw that other one, remember, coming oh, out right. of the alfalfa mm-hmm. field that mm-hmm. looked like, he, to me, his rack looked like a whitetail, but he was, in fact, a muley because there are some whitetails around here. Yeah. Um, but he was tangled up with, what, six does? Uh, just so you tra- knew there were and just, he was actually acting yeah. ready. And you you just know there's a, a plethora of eyes there waiting to bust you. So we we chose the other yeah. scenario. Right? Yeah, the one that allowed us to delegate. Right. <laughs> so it didn't take you very long to find. Yeah, I dropped I dropped across the draw and got up on the next ridge, and I found I found the doe almost right away. And then, uh, but the way, the way they were in that draw, the does were up high. So as I came over the top of the ridge, I saw them first and it was kind of tough to, um, look at the bottom of the draw without just completely exposing myself on the, on that ridge top to those does. So, um, I had to kind of work around and finally got to where I could see kind of the whole draw and, uh, sure enough, there was two bucks kind of kind of in the bottom of that thing so and i picked up a shed <laughs> over there so that's always good nothing better than that right yeah, <laughs> and, yeah exactly and then, uh, reported back well and then the plan was to kind of loop around them by then the wind was pretty much bearing its teeth you could just i mean it's just unbelievable like you were, we had joked about it the day before. You probably just walk right up to them. Well, it definitely was so windy you could walk right up to them, but you might have a problem stopping depending on where the wind's blowing. Yeah, and and with that many deer in that draw, we knew we couldn't. We had to be careful of the other deer. And, and what you know, we were seeing black cows just around, like the next draw over, or right at the base of, or the foot of that draw too. So we we decided to test out the. Uh, I'm going to call it the facing black moo cow now since we don't have a real name for it yet. But Yeah, the prototype. Yeah. And, and, and it's not, you know, we have elk decoys that are certainly larger than that, but how fun was it trying to hold that thing in a 30-mile-an-hour wind? Well, and, and I, I was I was basically uh, on decoy duty, um, and so the plan was to come around, again, estimating where he was with the elevation of the hill, to come around and you had seen another buck in there with him right yeah yeah so you knew there's two bucks in there Mm -hmm. and um and then of course the does and the does were going to be a little further back in the draw so we thought we might be able to get around get to within that your wheelhouse Mm -hmm. and now with the wind too it that even kind of i think that even kind of shrinks the comfort level of what you could do it does, because, you know, I'm, I'm shooting a lot during the day because I've got a blunt arrow in there, and I'm, you know, shooting clumps and, you know, just trying to gauge my ability all the time in that wind because I'm not used to it. And, it, you know, it's not just what the wind does to the arrow when you let it go, but when you're in that much wind, not just 30 miles an hour, but 20 or whatever it is, it moves you around as the shooter. So it, it's, it's really hard to – and, you know, my bow – I'm carrying my arrows on my bow. I noticed you took your quiver off when you were getting ready to shoot, so you're cutting down on some of that wind resistance. Right. But my bow has a two-piece quiver on it, and uh, that's what I'm used to shooting with that extra weight on there. I like it, but it definitely definitely catches a little bit more wind. So trying to figure that stuff out, it's, you know, 
ideally that situation was a 12 or 15 yard game for me which is asking a lot you know you you can do everything right but the deer still has to make a mistake right right and we started getting pretty close i'm holding on to the decoy and um as we move forward and this is of course the facing the, the facing cow decoy without the, <laughs> the CJ and Trevin heads yeah, well, this that is... Jerry had sent us. If you listen to the first podcast, you heard about that. Uh, I'm not going to go into that. You'll have to listen to the first podcast. <laughs> but there's a little practical joke pit played on us. And um, so as we move forward, there uh, there's handles in the back which were huge for me today because I could hook my thumbs in the handles. Normally, you'd just be able to hold the handles. Mm -hmm. But I could hook my thumbs in the handles and then get the wire that supports the frame mm -hmm. of the of the uh, cow, and it get, gave me better control. Um, but I still was having a hard time. What I ended up doing was walking, taking one step with my left leg, holding onto the... So my, my uh, shin would hold the bottom of the, the mm -hmm. decoy, my head would hold the top, and I'd take a step because it's blowing. It's a sail. And I was prepared to catch you when the wind blew you right. back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we came around, and Buck stands up. And then the little a buck stands a up. buck stands up, and it's the bigger buck. He's even closer to us. He's probably 20 yards from us at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm thinking, this is great. And um, and he doesn't stand up and jump away from us. He just stands up and maybe takes a step or two and looks back. And so I'm keeping, a, I'm still taking another step, another step, another step, trying to get closer because then the plan is, of course, you're going to come around the right side of the decoy. Take the shot. And take the shot. Well, then a little buck jumps up. And he's further away, but he's definitely more nervous. And he comes up on the other side of the draw now he's probably 35 yards away which when you consider there's you behind the decoy me behind you tanner behind us and then we've got kyle uh, drop back even more and we just popped around a corner basically on these deer the fact that they didn't just blow out that was pretty neat yeah it was and really i didn't neat. my angle was a little bit different than yours because i'm two steps behind you i didn't see the second deer i mean i didn't see the first deer until you took those extra steps. And then I saw him because I was focused on the little buck that was farther in the back. Right. And literally the wind is blowing so loud, I can't hear half of what you're trying to whisper out the corner of your mouth to me. Right. So it's, it's just a lot of confusion going on. I mean, the plan stays the plan. but And we got stuck there, I would say, a good 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, and they went back to feeding. Yeah, they literally, the, the big buck not only went back to feeding the, the 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 littler buck on the other side that was further away actually looked at stared us down and mm -hmm. i don't think he was staring at us because we were behind the decoy i think because kyle was 20 or 30 yards behind us mm -hmm. um which normally and you can say whatever you want to hindsight's 2020 <laughs> normally we would have put him on the opposite ridge that where he could see all of that but he doesn't have to move he just sneaks over there sets a camera up and is still mm -hmm. and he's got everything going on but for some reason we elected to have him trail behind us so he is his tripod's not set up he's holding the camera <laughs> um 
and he's I think he's got the one to four hundred on there, so that's a bigger lens also. Mm-hmm. And he's videoing all of what we're doing, but he doesn't have the comfort and the the ability to you maybe change a little bit of weight on your legs or whatever because you have a decoy in front of you. And uh, I think that little buck was fixated on him and was catching just enough movement. And understand, there is movement. This wind, there was one time you picked your hand up and put it in the middle of my back because I was about to get blown over. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so um, I think that that was something that kind of worked against us. But I was blown away by the fact that we were there standing within easy compound range yeah and for for a long enough time minutes. for you to range everything yeah. that you wanted to yeah. yeah yeah and and um the the bigger buck at that juncture fed around back behind a big cedar mm-hmm. and the little buck started to, to go with him we were down to what like Two or three more steps, and he would have been behind that cedar. And we could use the cedar for cover. And my idea then was to have you and Tanner stay there and work closer to the cedar. And I was actually going to back up and come around the other side and come up. Because if I could, with with the way we were keeping their attention without alerting them, that's all I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Because then you would have been close enough to make the shot. Had plenty of cover with the cedar. Right. But... Um, unfortunately, something spooked him. Something spooked him. But we did learn there was another buck tucked up in there too. Yeah, there was another buck, and and then there was a. We found the two does. <laughs> well, wow. one doe hopped off with the bucks, and when we were just creeping up because we weren't sure that other buck had left, we looked down the very bottom, and there is a doe stretched out, head on the ground, eyes closed, completely sacked out. And we are probably, how far was she? 12 yards? Maybe, yeah. yeah and maybe she was you, close. you guys were working to go up and check and make sure that other buck hadn't left and look down, and you're totally exposed, and she never moved. And she you, only moved when she got when I got far enough up the draw to where she smelled me. Yeah. And then she stood up. Immediately. It was like from a dead sleep to high alert. Mm-hmm. And you know she had to be wondering where everybody went. <laughs> yeah. They left me all alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently I, I about stepped on a porcupine I didn't <laughs> see either. So. Yeah, there's a porcupine. Yeah, about two feet from you. I was focused. Those, yeah. All the animals were tucked in there out of the wind. Yeah, it was, it was a, Nobody a, was having it. Nobody was wanting any part of that. But we stayed sort of on those deer in... Yeah, on that top. was interesting how you guys went up and then got a feel for where they went. And sort of saw them into a draw they didn't come out of, so kind of marked them again, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Yeah, and they kind of went into a, a better draw, to, seemed to me like, for as far as stalking. A lot steeper, kind of a narrow draw. Mm-hmm. So that was good. And so our plan then was to see if we couldn't let them sit, settle down and work around. It's nice when you have multiple options because these deer, especially in wind like this, they're not going to go anywhere. Mm-mm. And so when they don't go anywhere, you are able to then, okay, 
We don't have to worry about these deer. We know these deer are here. Let's go find this other deer, which is what we did. We went to find that other three-point, uh, that three-by-three three that, that that was really acting a little ruddy. It was with all the does. It was with all the does. Yeah, that came off the alfalfa mm-hmm. earlier that morning. Yeah, and... Uh, and so we worked, we we actually went back to the ranger, drove around, and then... Um, did some delegating. Did some delegating. <laughs> and and Tanner, as he has done so diligently, um, went and, and, and picked him out. I mean, the track record is outstanding. It is. If we think there's a deer in four or five draw area right there, he has not failed. To right. come back and say, yep, he's here, this is it, I, or you got no chance. I think what's important is that you and I give him that that yeah. small bit of direction. Yes. And then he... That's key. Yeah. That's, that's key. key. Yeah. I'm a follower. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. So the problem with that is it's always great when Tanner comes back and goes, yeah, found him. You're like... But then your pride That's hurts awesome. a little bit. That's awesome. There's part of you that doesn't want me to find one one There's time. never been a part of me that doesn't want you to find <laughs> one. I promise you that. But he was – what was the, what were the chances on that? You know, what were the percentages you the gave on, us? The only way it worked out, I remember him saying this, was if – what? You'll have to tell. I forgot what So I figured that the only way we could get on that buck, because he was acting slightly ruddy, and the does clearly – you know, at the middle of October, are not are not ready. <laughs> and I was figuring the only way that it would work is if he just hounded them all day, and one of them just got so pissed off, she ended up kicking him in the head, knocking him out, and then we could make our move as the dose <laughs> as the dose cleared out. And why would why why wouldn't it why would it not work? Yeah, exactly. Because he was bedded. He was bedded pretty it, much in the bottom of a wide open drainage. And you felt that even with a compound, we wouldn't be able to get on him. Right. We'd need some type of a 243. <laughs> or yeah. 6.5s are really, six, really six hot five. right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with that being said, we said, okay, well, we know where those other bucks went into the, the draw that you had watched. Mm-hmm. And we went back around. And sure enough. There they were. Of course, we sent Tanner in again to confirm <laughs> draw and location within said draw. Right, right, sure, for sure. I mean, I just think that if we start something, we got to finish it. Yeah, all right, yeah, no doubt. And <laughs> did you so, find the shed on that trip too? There was another shed. No, you I found out. the that bigger shed when we were stalking them the first time. Oh, that's right, that's right. So it's a two shed day, which mm, I've had better, but. <laughs> It's better than nothing, I guess. Well, when you're when you're hunting deer instead of shed hunting, <laughs> I'm, I, always, I'm always shed hunting. I, I, t- I tell them, I say, the only t- only time I like sheds are when they're attached to a skull. <laughs> um, so, you guys, the plan on this particular stock again, with the wind as truly magnificent as it was today, um, I kind of did what you were going to do for me when I shot my buck. The flanker. I was the flanker. I kind of went across the draw with the decoy ready to create either an attention grabber or a diversion, something if I needed, if you guys just needed the buck to stand. 
Um, and that, the bottom of that draw, was that actually a, an old dam that went across there? Could you tell? Because it looked man-made to me. It looked man-made, but then it looked like they made it, and then they were like, oh, we need to drive through this. So then they just <laughs> cut a <laughs> Knocked swap. Knocked a hole through it. Yeah. So I actually set up in between there and where I could still see you guys. And we had Kyle doing the Kyle the set up on the, on, the, on the wide lens. And we knew there was two bucks in there, correct? Yeah, for yes, sure. We for knew sure, there were two. too. There was three bucks and a doe, but I could never find the other buck and the doe. And so, and they they were moving the most, so I just, I, I don't know, I kind of figured they headed out of there and went to another little draw somewhere nearby because I could just not ever pick them up in there. And the two bucks we were looking at, one of them was a, what was he? A three by four? I can't remember. Uh, the littler I th- one. I think he's a three by three. Three by three. And then the other buck, we didn't really touch on that, but he was kind of a goofy goofy buck. He was still in velvet, and he had one really tall side, and then the other side was like just three he or had four a big, points. He had a big something. tall two point on one side, still in velvet, and then the other side was like a long spike and a medium spike and a little spike or something all coming off of his base. So he was a little wacky. Yeah. Which appealed to me a lot. That was yeah. kind of what I was You like him wacky. I do. That's why we get along so well. <laughs> I was really hoping that would be the one that played out, but or that would be the one that I would get the opportunity on. And, and theoretically, he was the closer of the two based on where they were bedded and our approach line. So And and the funny thing was that buck when you guys got in a position the other buck stood up. Yeah, and, I'm, and I don't, I don't know that he stood up because he saw you, or if he just stood up, and then um, Tanner. But wait, well, before that, the other deer came into play. Remember? Oh, that's right. Because um, I don't know if it was you or Kyle that said a buck went over the top, which we think was the buck that um, Tanner couldn't find that was with that doe at one time, right. and then shortly thereafter that larger three by three that was with all the does that whole social group came barreling kind of across the bottom and went up another draw right but they didn't come out of that draw no they came like right yeah down and and i don't i don't think they bothered the two bucks we were after they may or may not have scooted that other buck over the top coming through there but i think it was just bad luck because i was being more careful than um I normally am with anything but you know I'm I'm inching on elbows and toes up to behind a bush and and trying to look down in the bottom because in Tanner's behind me and he's so great at you know once he sees country it's like a photographic memory you know he's like no that that dirt bank over there is the one you want to focus on not this one but I'm still easing up there and you know in the time frame from when Tanner spots him do we get in that zone, they can easily stand up, move, get spooked, whatever. Yeah. So you got to kind of keep you your. You can't ever get tunnel vision. You always, you know, you always hope they're in the same spot, but you can't ever expect them there. And you gotta check all the nooks and crannies that yeah. that they can see you from first. Right. Uh, just in case. So I'm on my belly behind this scrubby brush and i've got my my bows you know the one great thing about a stick bow is you can slide it around toss it up ahead of you whatever you're not going to bend your sight pins but and then that buck just stands up the non-wacky one and he's not like terribly spooked but he starts going up and eventually goes out of the draw 
and I don't see the other one. Right. And they were so close together that it doesn't make any sense to me why I can't see the other one. You know, if one of them stood up and left, the other one should be right there doing something. Well, he was farther up the draw. Come to find out later from Kyle, he said he had stood up and moved back, but bedded back down again. Right. So he was he had moved. He was coast. more to your left than you were uh, yeah. than you were assuming because yeah. you were assuming he was more directly below you. But again, the first buck that stands up, I don't know what do you think he was thirty five yards. Yeah, probably. When he he stands up, and then he walks obligingly up the side there, and then turns broadside. Yeah. So. Like, please shoot me with your compound. Yeah, but I didn't bring that. So. <laughs> and then the other, the wacky buck, I mean, he was probably 50. Yeah, I'd say. And he kind of did the same thing. And then what's interesting to me, because I don't get to do this a lot, is you, <laughs> you've noticed on every stalk we've had, we have like this dissection meeting afterwards, too. Mm-hmm. Is that where he was bedded? Here's where he's bedded. And then, you know, I want to take my blunt arrow and see if I can make the shot if he was in the bed, all that kind of stuff. And we had a little wager, too. Where, yeah, we did. Where uh, we... <laughs> We convinced you to toss your hat down there and let Tanner see if he could hit it with my stick bow. But I don't, I don't think you realize how good he is at that thing, amazingly enough, because while we were waiting on you to drive the Ranger through Colorado to come back to Nebraska, <laughs> we had nothing to do but shoot my recurve there in that draw all afternoon. <laughs> so he's pretty surprisingly good at it, and I was really hoping he was going to dead center your hat because you were going to have to wear it for the rest of the season or something. So. Right. But anyway, another stalk. My hat is unscathed. And Barely. Another, Barely. <laughs> an, another stalk in the books. And, you know, again, I said this begin, from the beginning, it's a, it's a game of percentages. And um, each time we do this, we're, we're learning more. I think we're, we're, we're working together better mm-hmm. all of these different things. So it's just like, okay, it's just a matter of time now. And uh, – and so, but, but I realize I am hampering this tremendously. There is no doubt. Because you think about it, if I'd have shown up with a real bow, well, where who, would we be? Who has the real bow? Yeah. <laughs> maybe I, maybe you have the real bow. Maybe <laughs> if Trev didn't show up with his gun bow. <laughs> yeah, we can start all kind of arguments. Yeah. Real bow or wheel bow. Yeah, it's exactly. Real <laughs> bow or wheel bow. But uh, I think, though, this country still is as you saw from the first stock on day two when you got four yards from that buck it is possible it is definitely possible you just with that one you had a little topography that got in your way mm-hmm. if that buck would have stood up and you didn't have that lip in your way it'd been a whole it different ball yeah because you would have literally had you know a, a four or five yard shot at him and, um, you know, that's de- definitely in your wheelhouse. So <laughs> so with with those bucks blowing out, we're kind of scratching our head. Tanner has been whining for about an hour and a half about needing another burrito. So He's about a 10 burrito a day kind of guy. He, yeah, I've been getting about four. <laughs> it's amazing what he can eat. And so we end up heading back to camp. Just grab something to eat. And we really last hurrah. Yeah, we're running out of time. So by the time we grab something to eat, headed back out, and that is the nice thing of camping right here. You know, um, it's kind of on the way. Mm-hmm. And so we grabbed something to eat, went back, went back to our original glassing 
place that's kind of on the east side of the property and work down. Uh, I think you saw a couple of does and... and yeah, um, far off. Far off, Bucks yeah. on the neighbors. On the neighbors. So uh, it's funny because I looked at you and I said, you know, tonight would be a, possibly be a good night to be sitting on that alfalfa field in those hay bales. And that's the field where we originally spotted that, the bigger three-by-three. Three. Right, this morning. With all the does. And we look over there, and Tanner goes, up, oh, they're in the field. <laughs> and they weren't quite in the field yet. At that point, they were a little bit off of the field, but they were definitely heading that way. And we had, I think, about an hour and 20 minutes left of, of light. Mm-hmm. And so we hustled. We got back, jumped in the ranger, went around, came up and then i had i'd kind of knew how that country laid because i'd i'd hunted over there before and you drove through it when you went to get your deer and yeah and <laughs> and, and i drove through it um <laughs> and we got to where we could get up and these deer were kind of meandering feeding whatever by a shelter belt big line of cedars so we got on there got on the other side and sure enough 40 yards there's three or four does and we can see the bucks a little further out um down further that would be to the west yes from where we were at and there's a big old gap in the shelter belt there's a big gap and we can't move we need to get around the shelter belt where i know that there's a berm uh, by some some cottonwoods that you guys could slip up behind, or what I was hoping you could slip up behind and maybe get a shot. And uh, those does hung out for t- 10 minutes, maybe? Yeah, what? Seemed like? I mean, did they? I couldn't hardly see them. Did they spook or what? No, I think they were looking our way. They might have caught movement. I mean, you know, when I came to the edge and I'm peering through the brush well then maybe they caught my foot stop whatever so there was one doe that really was looking intently but they never ran they just turned and walked off and as soon as they walked off and 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 went around the corner there's a little f- corner of a fence there and the the the, the, the ground <laughs> runs away mm-hmm. then we i said let's go <laughs> so i started running you actually started explaining to me all right here's what i think we should and i'm like don't talk just go yeah yeah, so we ran, we ran around because this the shelter make belt makes an L, and um, somebody did a great job of planting those trees years and years ago, and they're big and they're full and they're and it's good cover, and so as we got around the edge, or right before we, right before we headed out though, I went about halfway through the line of cedars to where I could see. And that two bucks were feeding right next to the berm. Where the cottonwoods are. Where the cottonwoods Mm -hmm. are. On the other side. So we ended up going and just busting it around, which gave us, number one, a little bit of distance. But also you guys were able to then get through some open country, but then into that little depression. Yeah, you held back and Tanner and I went across it and... You know, the first part of it, it wasn't too bad, but then we gained a little bit of elevation. Mm-hmm. And, boy, I really felt like we were we should have been visible to those deer, but I don't know if that screen of cottonwoods, which, you know, I'm, I'm looking at them with my naked eye, and I can see them. So I felt like they – it was very likely they would catch the movement, 
but they didn't. We pushed our luck, and then there was um, another uh, draw that comes up there that we could kind of get a little bit down in it. And then we had the berm between us and them. Right. So we just and you guys snuck up right to the edge. Yeah. And by the time you got there, they had fed out of range. Oh yeah, they were they were out in the alfalfa, but boy, that was a wad of deer out there. I didn't fully realize how many were out there until we we kind of crested that berm a little bit with just our faces and our binoculars and. and I was, saw I saw Tanner crawled up next to you because I'm watching through my binoculars from yep. the shelter belt. And t- and I saw you, Tanner, you got the camera up. And so I'm assuming you got some pretty, because there were some pretty decent bucks in that bunch. Yeah, there were some good ones. And I had to take the, I just uh, took the tripod off, disconnected the camera from the tripod. And I just, like, handheld it on, rested on top of that berm, basically, because anything else, and I would have been, they definitely would have seen me with the tripod. So it was, and we were we were pretty close. How but, long did you guys sit there? I don't know. It was a while. 30 minutes? We had... uh, We had more deer come out to our right. Yeah, there was a buck. I think there was a buck at one point, a little tiny buck that was in those cottonwoods. He came up out of those, out of that little hole in the cottonwoods. And so he couldn't have been more than 15 yards from us when he popped out of there. I don't know if he was bedded in there or if he had just walked in there or what, but we were actually pretty close. To some of those deer. Why didn't you shoot him, CD? You know, I've had a great hunt, and I've seen so many bucks, and there's been some really nice ones, you know, and there's been a lot of great ones. I just felt like, I don't know, we were sitting there, and it wasn't over. We were at that point where we'd done everything we could do. We'd run out of tricks, and it was just up to the deer to do something stupid. A coyote to come in on the other end and push them our way or just that stroke of luck that you get every now and then. And I just I just felt like I'd rather go trying to get one of those deer we were targeting, go down to the wire and go home empty-handed than just to shoot a tiny buck to say I killed a buck. And it, it truly was a tiny buck. I mean, I, you guys use that rating system. It was a small <laughs> buck, and then there was a tiny buck. Yeah, and it was it was pretty tiny. Yeah, but there was a... I, I just respect a, that call. <laughs> there was yeah, a wad sure. of deer out there. And you know how it is. It's some... Just, you know... It's cool to just watch them. Yeah, and they were, you know, a little bit of sparring going on, a whole lot of... Seems like every so often Tanner would spot another buck that I hadn't seen out there, so that's discouraging but not unexpected. <laughs> Well, did you uh I saw you moved one time. Oh yeah, I did forget about that. We um you know, we're sitting there staring at them and it's like you just want to do something, but there's nothing but alfalfa out there and we uh left the dadgum decoy behind in our rush. So and Tanner can grunt with his mouth pretty dadgum good. I know you know that. Um so I said, "Well, just grunt at them, see what they do." Well, he starts grunting at them. And they actually kind of step our way. It's that it's that look that you get from deer that you're not sure if it's curiosity or a little bit of an alarm or maybe a mix of both. But they started coming, and and then they kind of to me looked like uh, they didn't really like that wrong time of year or whatever. And I thought, well, maybe they're going to leave the field now. And so that was why I bailed out. And I felt like a good place for them to leave would be kind of on the side of that shelter belt, which was where that draw headed up right there. And I was going to get right there just in case they came across because we still had some shooting light but they just went back to feeding do your grunt oh it's gonna be loud just 
pull your mic away. <laughs> That's pretty good for uh, for just a mouth grunt. You had way too much time on your hand as a kid. Uh, so the the evening ends, and you just you you really you you can't do anything. Mm-mm. We're we're totally and completely out of options so got dark got dark and you know we tried to slip out hopefully didn't spook any of them um last day of the hunt but you still don't want to spook deer unless you have to i guess and we had a little miscommunication to find you but we got through that too so. <laughs> that's because no ne- no 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 no, no, no. Didn't listen neither of us are wrong i'll meet you at the end of the shelter belt okay you went to one end we went to the other yeah and we, we waited, waited we, at we, least. Went, we went to the end that seemed, you know, like common sense because we had to go back and get the backpack. And you were glassing closer to that one, not just from the other so one. So you we went saw you. the wrong direction, but it's okay, Trevin. Well, what I said, <laughs> what I told you was, I'll meet you at the sh- at, at the end of the shelter belt where you guys left from. I didn't hear that part. Yeah, I know, because you hung up. <laughs> no. I think maybe your phone just cut out. Anyway, we worked it out. Um of course, nobody has a flashlight, and it's pitch black well, dark. Well, we dr- well, I, uh, my headlamp, everything. I dumped my, when we dumped my pack, yeah. and, and you know, and and uh, honestly, it was. I wasn't much on. Hey, let's film this. I was more okay. Let's kill a deer. Come on, CJ. Um, I was kind of in that mode because it is. It was the last, you know, last hurrah type mm-hmm. of thing. So I'm. Oh, it was getting filmed. Yeah, well, I know, I know. (laughs) You did a good job, you did a good job. It's not like I can outrun Tanner. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Or outjump him. Flat-footed over the fence today. That was crazy. Yeah, that was good. I put that on Instagram. Wow. Do a lot of things for $5. (laughs) (laughs) He, uh... I, I bet Tanner five bucks he couldn't flat foot a jump three rail fence, which in fact was a stupid bet because I've I've seen him jump a, a five rail fence or a five wire fence, um, flat footed. But no, you had a one st- well you had one step on that on mm-hmm. that one, um, but still, it was close. I mean, flat-footed in boots and as many clothes as I could possibly wear. If we would have made him do it into the wind, he wouldn't have been able to do it. That's, that's, I would have landed backwards. <laughs> he would have jumped up and got blown four feet back. Yeah. <laughs> he used the wind to help him. He just had to get the elevation. I, I don't think we can wrap up this hunt at all without hitting on the wind today. I mean, we're we're in Nebraska, and the wind is supposed to blow, and you want it to blow, as you've said numerous times before and during this hunt, because that's what lets you get close to them i have never hunted in wind like this That's, it was just phenomenal to me yeah. yeah it was not good it and it's that wind that just sucks it out of you because even even when you're not holding a decoy <laughs> it's it's it it gets you off balance you almost get seasick if you're trying to just stand in glass right. because you're just moving around so much. You can't you can't hold in glass. I mean, it was easily a sustained winds over 30 miles an hour. Like, I mean, they were probably right in there, but it was at least 30. I mean, that's not an exaggeration. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was tough. And that's great if you, if you find a buck that beds in a way that you can get to you know your shadow doesn't mess you up you know you, the wind is the right direction you don't have to worry about it all you got to then do is 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 make that close shot 
But unfortunately, it's we found a lot of opportunities where there were other deer. If yeah. we could have found, like my buck. My buck was all by himself in the draw. There was nothing, you know, we didn't have to worry about another deer. That makes a world of difference. It's yeah, huge. It's uh in, th- in that much wind, it's really tough because those deer want to get out of it too. So they're usually tucked up against the bank and the wind is coming over the top of them. Or in some of those draws, like the the backdraft or whatever you want to call it on the wind, like on the, the second stock on that cactus buck and the smaller buck, I was literally just glassing that draw for five, ten minutes to watch the grass to see which way it was blowing. And, I mean, the the wind was definitely coming from one direction all day. But once you dropped into there, you had little gusts that were coming back up the draw and to the side. And so it was really tough to, once they dropped into that that, that cover from the wind, to not get winded because they got little gusts and, you know, stuff. And they, they're... I mean, it's it's on purpose, I think, for those deer. And and the other thing that I've seen is deer, when it's that windy, they're nervous. Yeah, they were the, a lot more nervous today. And like a mule deer, their ears, you know, is, you know, probably their biggest asset. And when they can't hear anything, like the the first time I found those deer, there's a coyote sitting 20 yards from them, just watching them, and. I mean, they just had no chance of hearing it come up, and it it did spook them a little bit. But so it's just it's just tough when it's that that windy. And yeah. we when we dropped into a couple, like on that the stock uh, on the cactus buck in that three point, uh, we dropped into a different draw that was similar, just to kind of see what the wind was doing in that draw and how it acted. And I think that helped us a lot on that on that stock yeah yeah i think that's part of the learning curve out here yeah you don't deal with thermals like you i mean you deal with them but you don't deal with them like you would in a high country type of setting um because number one your elevation in the draws it aren't this isn't the same but because you have such predominant winds, mm-hmm. normally you're going to have pretty consistent wind direction. So you can use that as your advantage, or at least, you know, some advantage. But it was a great hunt. Yeah. Definitely appreciate you guys letting me tag along. It was it was great, and it was good to put that new decoy to the test and play around with it some and just uh, enjoyed hanging out with you guys and getting to know you better. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I think this is uh, definitely a hunt that, um, as I said at the beginning, it's one of my favorite hunts of the year. Um, And and this year, it's uh, right up there. Because of the opportunities, you know, hunting's not all about killing. And um, the memories you make here, you know, they they last a long time. So... Good times. Yep. Heck yeah. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us here in Nebraska. We've got uh, more exciting hunts coming up. we got whitetail season coming pretty quick. Um, the rut and, uh, in South Carolina, you, you is your rut still that, that first week 
second week of November? It's actually or is um, it a little later. Yeah, it's probably last week of October, first week of November. It's earlier. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I tend to have the better hunts. Seems like later in November for me. But I think that's because, uh, you know, there's one younger doe that just came in and tends to draw a lot of bucks around. It seems like mid-November or late November is where I always have a good encounter. But the the majority of the breeding takes place last part of October, very first of November. Really? Hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to be heading to Missouri and Kansas and Iowa. I got a Drew Iowa this year, so it's we've got a busy uh, next 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 month or so. Is Tanner as good at spotting deer from a tree stand? Negative. Really? Negative. That's Tanner's completely out of his element. I just try to dig my eyes out with a spoon when I'm sitting in a tree stand. <laughs> so <laughs> I would say I that, have no use for I would, that. I would say that Tanner <laughs> is um, out of his element. Yeah. When it, when He's a specialist, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he is. I did grunt in a whitetail last year right underneath the stand, though. So yes, he did. Cool. Yeah, he was about a year and a half old. <laughs> I would say two or three, probably. It wasn't three. Yeah, well, it wasn't one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Again, uh, we appreciate you tagging along on this adventure. And it was fun to bring it to you here by the campfire under the stars here in Nebraska in a amazing uh, camp setting um, as it happens. And uh, so until next time, as always, just we encourage you to, to find your wild and embrace it. God bless, and we will see you down the trail. <laughs>